All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Providence POV. Peter and Joe here with you as always. My voice is 95% back to normal. Um, took a couple of days off from just speaking and seemed to have done the trick. Uh, right in time for a PC UConn matchup. Uh, it was an ugly game, uh, terribly officiated, terribly broadcasted uh, or commentated, whatever you want to call it. Um, but anyway, Peter, what's going on? How you doing today? I'm, do- I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, happy to have your voice back. Uh, yeah. I appreciate everyone. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the the Georgetown recap and the UConn uh, preview. That was just me talking for my for 30 minutes. And I certainly did. Thank you. And it's funny. Every time like you do a podcast by yourself, you're basically talking to yourself. Because yeah. You're recording. No one's listening at the moment you're speaking. They listen the next day or once you finish editing all that stuff. So it was, it's always funny doing that. But Providence suffered a nine-point defeat. Obviously, we're going to get into it. I agree with you. The broadcast wasn't particularly great. Uh, the refs were a little bit tone-deaf to the fact that we wanted to go to bed and we don't need 50-whatever fouls it was uh, on both sides. But this was the type of game the Friars wanted, and they didn't execute in some key factors, but they covered. So I guess good team, <laughs> great teams, good teams win, great teams cover. So I guess we got that. Yeah, I mean, if we're taking the betting look at this, you know, if you <laughs> if, if you bet Providence uh, plus thirteen and a half, you're probably a happy camper right now. But yes, you are. Um, yeah, no, you teed it up perfectly, Peter. We lost by nine. Um, honestly, we we even with the Poor officiating. I thought that Kim had the guys playing much better than I expected. Uh, my fiance can certainly attest that I was, you know, chalking this up as a 20 point road loss and, you know, pack our bags, move on, lick your wounds, you know, move on to the next one. But I was pleasantly surprised with the way that we played. And granted, uh, as the game progressed, I, my demeanor went from pleasantly surprised to, you know, yeah, pissed off and furious because every 10 seconds the whistle blew and we didn't lose. Let's just let's just put this before we get any further into the into this podcast. We didn't lose that game due to poor officiating. If anything, the officials put us at the line 26 times. So we had 26 opportunities to add to the score. What the officiating did was disrupt the flow of the game, remove key players from the floor. Yeah. Specifically Josh Oduro and even on the Yukon side of things Donovan Klingen. And and really it, it took opportunities away from the players. So that's not why we lost the game. I will never chalk up a loss to Poor officiating, despite the ranting that we're about to do, and despite the the name of today's podcast, but I'll never chalk a, a loss up to poor officiating. But it certainly didn't help. Well, I'm going to leave it that way. That's the bottom line here. Yeah, I think you I think you summed it up perfectly there. I said in the open that the refs and the officials, to be exact, were kind of tone deaf to the game, right? And I was joking with one of my friends today, texting him back and forth, and I joked with him last night. Now, next time I watch a Providence basketball game, 
I'm going to think everything's a foul because yeah. that game, everything was for the most part, unless you're Devin Carter for some reason, yeah, was was a foul, right? Like anytime, and for some reason, I thought Tristan Newton took 55 free throws because he was the guy that I felt like was always at the line. Obviously, I exaggerated that number by a lot. He took 16, though. Like that's, that's a lot of free throws. A lot of free throws for one guy. You know, you know, what, you know what was hilarious is, and I texted you about this. Anytime a UConn guy was at the free throw line, Josh Oduro, as soon as the shot would go up, would start talking to Ticket. I don't know if you caught on to that. No, I did not. But like, if Tristan Newton was at the line, dribble, dribble. The second he's ready to shoot, Josh would go, "Hey, yo, yo, tick, tick, tick," and the, and then they'd start talking. And it was so funny. And I think the official said something to him, but it was, it, it gave me a chuckle, like just like a, a, a fifth year guy, like that's like mm-hmm. figured out these little loopholes. Anyway, sorry, well, sorry to derail you there. No, no. But like you said, Josh Aduro, someone that has, that should have a lot of, if someone's going to be really pissed off at the officials on after this UConn game, it's Josh Aduro, right? Like, and we can debate. Either way, a couple of those over the back calls were they fouls or were they not fouls? And I'm not gonna, I'm not here to <clears throat> tell you one way or the other. Were, was there contact on every play? Of course, is there contact on every almost every single basketball play? Yeah, for the most part. But my biggest problem with those type of calls is that when a guy doesn't officially box you out, mm-hmm. right? It's not Josh Duro's fault that he's taller and more physical than you, right? Like if. I don't know whoever it was. If the guy gets position on you and makes a good basketball play and he just happens to be 6'3 and Josh Adoro 6'9, 6'10, that's over the back, right? It's not over the back when the guy doesn't and when you when you're kind of pushing back and forth and the guy doesn't get position on you. Right. The fact that you're just maybe 50 pounds heavier, seven inches taller, and then you get the call because you look like you go over the back. Like there's two different types of things. Right. But and I do think we didn't get those type of calls. Uh, similar to that Seton Hall first half a couple weeks ago. But, look, Tristan Newton was at the line a lot. Look, and you you said this perfectly. The reason we lost the game wasn't because of free throws. I guess the only person that would have a gripe who probably should have took 16 free throws was Devin Carter. He took 11. But, Joe, we went 13 for 26 from the free throw line. That is abysmal. And you and I said this, we said this a ton of times, and we've already been proven right. And we've already been proven right both ways. The fact that we're going to win a game by making free throws, Georgetown, for example, or one of the reasons we won Georgetown, and we're going to lose games because we didn't make free throws. St. John's was that first example a couple weeks ago. UConn adds up to that number two on that example. 13 for 26 is the reason you lost this game. Yeah. Um, the, you know, Kim English really loves to say this in his post-game pressers and it's a quote that you know not everyone understands what it means it is you have to win by first eliminating losing you have to eliminate losing which my interpretation of that is don't do the stupid shit that makes you lose games like turning the ball over like traveling or picking up your pivot foot like little mistakes and i would include missing free throws in Mm -hmm. the same bucket, right? Because when you have 26 opportunities that every free throw is an opportunity to fluff your score. 
we went 50% from the line, 13 for 26. If we went 26 for 26, and I know that's a, a that's seemingly a very tall order for this team, but if you go 26 for 26 from the free throw line, you win this game by three over the number one ranked team in the country on the road with down your your star power forward. And that's all that almost but seals your birth into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But instead, in a game that was dictated by poor officiating and physicality, you neglected to capitalize on free opportunities. And I don't want to hear, you know, the excuses of the crowd or, or, or anything like that because people, uh, opponents come into the dunk and drain free throws in front of our rowdy students. So that's a, that's a shitty excuse. Yeah, and you said 26 for 26. And I know, you know, that's obviously Did not I say 26? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ideal yeah. world. Yes, yes. Obviously. And I get the point you're making 100%. You go 20 for 26, right? And I don't even know what that math is percentage-wise at the moment. But if you go 20 for 26, which is seven more free throws, Joe, you lost by nine. And someone might say, well, then you're going to lose by two. Well, no, that's not how basketball works, no. right? The game was out of hand with about a minute left, right? By just mathematics and how basketball right. works. You make seven more free throws, right? You're down two with three minutes left. The basketball game is completely different. And then exactly. it's go possession by possession, who can win at each other's throats, right? Like, exactly. It's not as cut and dry as saying, if you go 20 for 26, which is even like, oh, Joe, what's, what is that number? 20 for 26 if you want to fire. It's 70 something. Hold on. Which, which isn't even like off the charts. It's like a it's, solid good. It's point seven six nine. Okay, so it's it's good. It's a really it's a good solid good number. But that's like where you kind of want to be as a team, and we're below seventy as percent as a team this year. Yeah. And if you do that, you make it a game. You make it differently. And this was a game. It was a game. And you said it beautifully in the beginning, right? I came in with no expectations. I said on the podcast earlier in the week. I kind of tried to map out the best possible way to win this game, but I was also tr- grasping at straw- straws, right? Because we don't match up against UConn. Most teams in the country don't match up against UConn. They're the number one team in the country. They're now 19-2. and two. They're the defending national champions. They're at home, and we don't have Bryce Hopkins, right? Like, that was a tall task. So, uh, but, but as the game went on, and UConn wasn't making shots, and we were grinding them out, and we were playing the game we want to, it gets frustrating because how this game was dictated outside of the officiating, but how this game was played on the court was exactly the game that if you and I were like, this is the exact game we want, we got the exact game we wanted. We hit the same amount of threes and we made more field goals than them. Yep. We got the exact game we wanted in their building. And now, when we're recording on Thursday night, when you listen Friday morning, it just becomes even more frustrating. Right. And I don't think anybody, well, maybe, uh, you know, pending different circumstances, but I don't think anybody at the beginning of the season thought, oh yeah, this uh, Providence team is going to storm into stores and demand a victory over the reigning national champions. I don't think anybody thought that. Right. And you can be as big of a Providence homer as there is. You knew this was going to be a tough game. 
UConn is disciplined. They are, as much as I hate to say it, well coached. <laughs> They're tough. They have one of the tallest players in the country, and they have a great uh, freshman stud. Right, like, like they—they're a good team. As 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 much of a, as much as their fans suck and we hate UConn and all that other shit, they're a good team. Nobody was expecting us to come in and beat their doors off. But to be completely honest, I wasn't expecting us to come in and be competitive. I thought we were gonna we were gonna get our teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. So the way that you play yesterday, where you're putting yourself, in, where you're uh, excuse me, where your defense is putting you in a position to do the unthinkable. You got to tighten it up. You got to tighten up the little things that, like Kim English says, you have to eliminate losing. You have to tighten up the little things that make the difference. Free throws is one of them. Yeah. And you said you just said defense, Joe. Mm-hmm. Seventy-four points is not even like it's it's, a, it's not a ton of points, but it's misleading to what how how good the defense was because out of those <clears throat> excuse me out of those seventy-four points. 26 of them came from the free throw line, right? Like, and I agree with you. This defense was very good. Mm-hmm. And since Bryce Hopkins has gone down, the defense has taken a dip, right? Like, it's still a really good defensive group, one of the best in the Big East, but it wasn't at that like top five, top eight in the nation level of defense where it was with Bryce Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins, it's taken a dip. And if there's a, something that we can, I guess, take from this game and be encouraged about heading into Sunday night against Villanova is the defense, right? Like, if the defense can play this type of way, and I'm not asking, like, every night because, like, this I, – I, obviously, I would enjoy that, but it's tough. But if the defense can play this kind of grinded-out way, then you you are going to win a couple games that we don't expect to win, which is great because at the point yep. you might need to. Unless the refs keep calling fouls, then then you can't really play this way. But well, outside of the officiating, that I, I, I don't expect officials to be like this for the rest of the year. Well, yeah, I'm hoping this is a once in a blue moon type of a officiating game. Here's what I'll say, and, and I'm gonna double down here. We didn't lose the game because of officiating. However, the officials took opportunities away from Providence to make this a closer game. And when I say closer game, I mean, you hear that? You hear that voice crack? That's the, that's the, that's the, uh, the adjustment still from the, the laryngitis. Um, (laughs) When I say a closer game, I mean like when it was a three possession game, then a two possession game, then a three possession game. Then a one possession game in the second half when we were kind of flirting between that like four to nine point lead area. I'll tell you this. Devin Carter gets fouled a lot. But last night, it seems as if any time he went driving to the cup, he did not get fouled. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I, I don't know how Rafael Castro comes down with a bloody lip, but he gets called for the foul. Because the last time I checked, if you get a bloody lip, you're hit by somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. there was a there was a Jaden Pierre call that <clears throat> his hands were straight up right by the baseline. Yep. And he didn't even touch the guy. And I'm thinking, what is he supposed to do? Like, let the guy just score? But right. it felt like last night you kind of had to let the guy score. Devin Carter, that, that drove me nuts, right, Joe? 
And I'm not saying every time Devin Carter, we thought he should have got fouled, was a foul because basketball doesn't work that way. And we would be there for hours, right? Which we were there for hours, it felt like. That was the lo- but, that was the longest game. Yes, I agree. But the Devin Carter thing, what drove me nuts, is that they were calling those fouls on the other side, on the other end, right? Like, yep. if you're not going to call those fouls against Devin Carter, stop giving every time Tristan Newton comes even near the paint or the hoop or the free throw line, he'll get a call. That drove me nuts because I think Tristan Newton is great. I think he's one of the best players in the Big East. So is Devin Carter. Both of them, one doesn't deserve more calls than the other. They no. deserve equal calls if we're playing that game, right? Yep. And everyone says stars get the calls, and that's obviously more like the quarterbacks in the NFL or more the superstars in the NBA, right? College basketball is a little different. But if we're going to get, I guess, their quote-unquote best player or their star or their senior, Tristan Newton, all those calls, you got to go the other way. Who And Devin Carter is a guy that attacks the rim ferociously and – Hit Klingon to have and obviously to have four fouls and then Josh Adora have five. Like it and like Samson, how many? I don't even know how many not Samson, Johnson. I could call him Samson for some reason. Johnson had three. Johnson probably should have had seven. Like it was it was just one of those games where well, I his, thought, fir- his first name is Samson. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. I'm yeah. looking at the box where it says Johnson. I, I thought for some reason did it say on his back of his jersey, Samson? Or am I just losing my mind right now? I think I'm losing my mind. Well, I I I thought it was Samson too, but I, I, I don't Samson. I don't know if that's because Donnie Marshall is just that much of a Yukon homer where he's calling him by his first name on the broadcast. Yeah, you're calling him Samson. Yeah, his first name is Samson Johnson, but I think Donnie Marshall was referring to him as Samson. Just Samson. Oh my god. That drove okay. Okay. Damn it, Donnie, you make yeah, because I'm on Google's back of his jersey says Johnson. I just thought it was Samson the whole time. But it is, but it's not at the same that's time. Don, that, that, that's Donnie Marshall's fault. Oh, Jesus, Donnie, man. You couldn't be any worse from No offense to Donnie, man. I don't want to take a shot at him. But, man. No, no, we're, we're, we're taking shots at Donnie Marshall. Like, because- any worse to, like, now just confuse the heck out of me because you're calling the guy by his first name? Like, and also, I get it. Like, you Devin, use the full name. Use the full name when you're on the or the last on, on air. Or the last name. He's not he's not freaking LeBron James where you could say LeBron. No. What the okay, okay. You can go, Joe. I don't know. Uh, I got yeah. all confused. I was gonna say it. Okay. Um this is what <laughs> this is what we get for doing this at 10 o'clock at night after staying up till eleven thirty last night to watch this. All right. Um I wanted to talk about Corey Floyd Jr. because I think uh we have been hot and cold on him. Uh, us individually, Peter, but as a fan base too, for most of the season, Um, because he's had in full trans honesty, he has had an up and down year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but I think uh, people can be particularly harsh on Twitter. Um, Corey Floyd had a really solid game. And I think it's one of the bright spots coming out of yesterday. Uh, He played really physical. He played really good defense, eight rebounds, seven points, only took five shots, was three of five. He hit his only three-pointer attempt. He really needed to see that go through. And he was plus 10.3 when he was on the floor in 32 minutes. So, I don't know. I, I think Corey Floyd Jr. is – like, we, we said he must be doing some stuff behind the scenes to earn that starting spot. Uh, I think last night put on display what exactly he's been doing. Um, 
and I hope this this translates for again. You hear that again? <laughs> this has been yeah. happening the past. Hey, it's better than day. what we had on when we hit record on Monday night. No, I'll I'll take this, but it's been happening. It's like it happens at work. It's just don't get don't scream your your lungs out at the dunk anymore. <laughs> Note to self. Um. Anyway, Corey Floyd Jr. I I think and I hope that this translates for him down the stretch here because we really are, are in desperate need of a consistent third level behind Josh and Devin Carter. Yeah, you mentioned Corey Ford Jr., and I think rightfully so, right? So and I felt like it was midnight. I, I, well, I did tweet it. I tweeted at midnight. If you guys follow us on Twitter at Providence POV, we do. Obviously, we post our podcast there, right? And then we'll post uh, the final score win or lose, right? No matter what. And we'll give you guys some notable players, right? So I went to the box score, Joe, right? This is, I only tweeted at midnight. So I'm like half asleep doing this, right? And it's Josh Adoro, 20 points, nine rebounds, right? Devin Carter, 20 points, nine rebounds, four assists. And then I looked at the points, right? And I'm like, no one else is in double figures. Eh, it's midnight. No one's not even getting any traction anyway. Everyone's done, pissed off, right? I'll leave it. And before I hit tweet, and went back and just to make sure I had the stats right for Odoro and Carter. And then I looked at Corey Ford Jr. And I saw seven points. And then I saw the eight rebounds. And then I went back and remembered Corey Floyd Jr. busted his you know what against UConn. I like you could say it's not it. always pretty with him. His offensive game is very up and down. And I think I'm being very nice when I'm saying very up and down. But all of a sudden, in the last couple weeks, his defense has been really good. Mm-hmm. His rebounding has been very good. And his effort has been very good. This is, it's a bright spot, right? Yep. And he does, and he had his seven points as a fine total. He does That's fine. Every, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not mad about the seven points. No, not at all. He does everything right outside of, I guess, be a, a consistent offensive threat. But he does everything else besides, I guess, run the point because he can't run the point because he's not a point guard. But, but even, like, even he, yesterday he was running the point at times. Yeah, because they went away. Yeah, they went away from Pierre and Garway. Duvall. Yeah. Um. But I think Corey Ford Jr. deserves in a year where it's been. He's probably been the most before Bryce Hopkins got injured because Bryce Hopkins was very criticized. But Corey Ford Jr. was probably the most criticized player on this team and. If this team wants to get to the NCAA tournament or get far in the Big East tournament or just win on Sunday night against Villanova, right? He's a guy that is going to have to, like I said on Monday, get a muck it up. He's that muck it up kind of guy. Like he'll be annoying. He'll dive on the ground. He'll push a guy. He'll grab a rebound, even though he's not 6'8, because he, he can jump through the roof. Um, he kind of is that glue guy on defense. And he's starting to find maybe his role on this team. And maybe in the beginning of the year, he didn't know what his role was. And it put a little pressure on him. Yeah, well, I think, too, when you look at the way that Corey Floyd played last year, um, you know, he was, you know, fighting for minutes. When he did come in, he played really good defense. And he showed flashes on offense. But also, keep in mind, last year, you got you had, you know, some dynamic scores on that team. You had not only Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins, but... Noah Locke was a sharpshooter. Jared Bynum was, you know, when he was on, he was on. And obviously there was Croswell. So there wasn't much need for a scorer. 
which meant that when Corey Floyd Jr. did score the basketball, it was monumental because it was like, oh my God, we've unlocked this, this, you know, this second layer of scoring from our bench. Uh, keep in mind, Alan Breed was on the team too, and he could he could shoot the ball well too. Um, now, when you look at this year, the offense has changed drastically under a new coaching style, and because of that, you you've got off you've got points in games where you can, we're trying to buy a bucket, and Corey Floyd Jr. is missing shots, and it's because there were guys last year that could hit the shots in the lulls this year, mm-hmm. especially now recently past uh, how many games has it been? It's been seven games since Bryce Hopkins went down. We're three and four. Yeah. Um, no, three and five, eight games since Bryce Hopkins went down in the past eight games. Carter can get a bucket. Oduro can get a bucket, but you're looking for that third layer. So it puts more of a spotlight on guys like Corey Floyd jr on guys like Ticket Gaines, on guys like Jaden Pierre. Um, so just to the comparison to last year, you know, he was scoring when, you know, he didn't need to. Now we need him to score and he can't. Um, but it doesn't mean that his defense or his physicality or his ability to rebound and play bigger than he is has gone away because as we saw last night, he still can do that and he can do it really well. Um so anyway, just tying it back to the the leading point here is, you know, Corey Floyd Jr. is going to have to play like that down the stretch here because we need that type of player, that type of consistency in the backcourt. Um, I still think that the toughest part of our schedule lies ahead, um, which is it just insane to say because we're already 10 games through conference play. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's all uphill from here. And if Corey Floyd Jr. can play the same, if he can replicate what he did last night and, you know, maybe fluff that scoring a little bit, uh, I think this Providence team, like you said, Peter, will have a chance to compete for a spot in the big dance. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a little, a little bit of a run the third week in March down at Madison Square Garden. Um, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I, oh. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to mention Jaden Pierre. Yeah, that's where I was going next. But we, you, you kind of said, and I said as well, right? Like, without a third option at the moment, right? You have Devin Carter and you have Josh Doro. And especially when Josh Doro has about 70,000 fouls and is not playing a lot of minutes, right? You even get more depleted. And I didn't think Devin Carter had a particularly, like, his best game. He struggled shooting. He was 6 for 18, right? Like, it wasn't even though I thought he played really well and he had, it was asked to do a lot more than he usually is because Adora was in foul trouble. It wasn't obviously he's one of his, I guess, highlight games. There has to be a way where Jaden Pierre has to find some offensive game, right? It's at the moment. And sometimes you can't force someone to be someone that they're not. And maybe Jaden Pierre is just not a legit score. The problem is, we kind of have to, like, we kind of need him to be. And I'm not saying he needs to drop 20 points, but to go two for seven from the field, 0 for three from three, and only have three assists is an issue, right? Like, yeah. If you did, if you did that and had seven assists, Joe, then it's better. 
Like he had one more assist than Josh Adoro. And I'm not saying like it's three assists is fine. The problem is when you're two for seven from the field as the point guard, three assists is not fine. And I, I just, and at times he attacks and I think he does a great job attacking. And sometimes I think he needs to shoot threes more uh, when he's open. I just, He's too hesitant at times. I we he needs to somehow be more of a consistent scorer if this team wants to win these type of games. Well, I agree with you. I, I've been saying this for a while. I think Jaden Pierre and I'm gonna throw ticket gains in here. I think they need yes. to be a little bit more selfish with the shot selection. Yes. Um, you know, I, I just think that the when I think of that third layer of scoring, those two are neck and neck. The, the front runners for, you know, who, who can, you know, take on that mantle. And both of them are very passive with shot selection. Like I ticket will, will, will take a contested three here and there, but I feel like unless it's wide open and unless it's in the corner, uh, it might not go up. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock ticket. He, he's, you know, he's taken himself up uh, and played at a level that he, that he hasn't previously, you know, he's playing power forward essentially for us. So I'm not going to knock him for, you know, not shooting shots, but I, I just think uh, as a combined, you know, two guys that are starters that, you know, play 25 plus minutes a game. We need, we need more shots from them. We need them to be a little bit more selfish with the basketball. Um, but with Pierre specifically back to your point, Peter, um, I think it was a weird night for Pierre. I think he was frustrated defensively and you could even hear it on the broadcast. I think I forget if he was guarding uh, Spencer or Newton at the time, but he, they were getting a little chippy with one mm -hmm. another. And that was before the double technical was called on ticket. And um, who was it? It wasn't on uh, a caravan. Was it? No. It was Stewart, I think. I said, there was a double technical called on Castle. Maybe it was Castle. It was on Ticket and somebody else. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't remember who it was on Utah. Not. But leading into the double technical, the refs issued a warning to Jaden Pierre for getting chippy with another mm -hmm. UConn player. So I think, yeah. and this isn't a new theme here. Pierre has struggled on the defensive side of the basketball. I think Pierre was frustrated with his defensive assignment and what we saw as a result was, you know, he didn't have his best game and sometimes that's okay. But in a game that's as close and as physical as the one that we watched last night, we need somebody to take that extra leap. And Pierre has proven uh, that he has the ability to score. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You have to be a little more, a little more selfish. And I do want to shout out at UConn. Uh, I don't watch a ton of UConn games, but, I'm more impressed with their defense and their offense, man. They are yeah. they guard you at any point point in that court, and they don't give you any space, like at all. And it's it's frightening to watch at times. Yeah, but UConn defensively is very good. So I just want to shout out that for UConn. Yeah, they're a very good defensive team. Um, again, third time's the charm. I don't yeah, know if you yeah. heard that one. I heard that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I mean, we're not going to beat the dead horse here. Joshua Duro, when he was on the floor was spectacular. 
uh, I think he, you know, coming into this game, watching the way that Josh played against Ryan Kalkbrenner and against Joel Soriano, who are two of the better bigs in the conference. I didn't know if he was going to be able to hold his own against Donovan Klingon. Um, you know, he was, I think some of that was uh, <laughs> ironically gifted to him because of Klingon's foul trouble and, and Klingon's, you know, hesitancy to be physical. But I thought Josh was kind of getting it at will on offense, 20 points, nine rebounds, eight for 14 from the field. He hit a three. I thought Josh had a good game for the, the, the time that he was on the floor. Yeah. You and I searched up to the, the end of the earth for this plus minus stat. Uh, he was 27. He was plus 27 on the court. Is that what that means? Yeah. Sounds like so, so much, but yeah, he's plus 27 when he was, when he was on the court, like, I don't want to sugarcoat it and you laid it out perfectly, Joe. Right. And you don't want to beat a dead horse with officials with this and this and this, because eventually it just gets tiring. And it sounds like we're complaining for half an hour, but like he start. I'll, I'll, I'll paint a bigger picture here. Right. When he came into big East play, he struggled, right? Like he struggled in the scene hall game. He struggled in I think John's game. I'm missing one. Did he struggle in the Creighton game? I think he struggled in the Creighton he did. game. He struggled. Yeah. Right. And you and you and I talked about it, right? Especially with Al Bryce Hopkins, we were super worried, like super worried, just just with everything and how important Josh Adoro is, and if he can play in the Big East level, coming from the A10 his whole career. Yep, he can play in the Big East, right? Yeah, he can. He and maybe it was just to get a couple games off, uh, and he wasn't shooting well, right? Like he doesn't have the athleticism that some of these other guys have, uh, but no, he plays like. He, he's one, he's in the wrong era of, of basketball. He, he wishes he was born in the 70s or something and played in the 80s because his game would fit so much better than in the new age of college basketball or the new age of professional basketball as well. Uh -huh. But man, oh man, he has a nice touch. He's professional with his moves. He's slow and smooth. When I mean slow, I mean like he works his moves and he's patient. That's what I meant. He's patient with his moves. He gets guys to pump fake. Wasn't great from the free throw line. He was three for six. He has been good from the free throw line this year. So that was very unfortunate to see a couple of missed free throws that were very important uh, last on uh, Wednesday night. But like he schooled whoever guarded him. If it was Klingon, if it was, I guess it's Johnson, but I'm calling him Samson because Donnie Marshall messed it up or whoever else was on him. Dora was really good. And he has another, another tough test on Sunday night, right? Like Eric Dixon's very similar to him, a guy that's undersized that uses patience and old school moves to get his buckets. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, Josh continues to fly under the radar as one of, if not the um, most impactful transfer in the conference. Um, you know, I think there are a couple other guys across the league that can also make that case, but Josh is certainly underappreciated nationally with uh, respect to the impact that he's had on this team. Um, but we're coming up on 35 minutes here. So let's close out uh, UConn. Um, Josh Oduro led the team with 20 points and nine rebounds. Devin Carter had the same stat line. And then Corey Floyd Jr. chipped in with seven points and eight rebounds. Friars fall on the road to the number one ranked Connecticut Huskies. 
74 to 65. Looking ahead here, uh, you already teased this a couple of times, Peter, but Providence travels to Philadelphia and the Wells Fargo Center to play a desperate Villanova team. Um, to me, this is a battle of who wants it more. You know, um, this is a Villanova team that is riding, I think, <clears throat> a five-game losing streak. One, two, three, yeah. four. Yeah. A five They've also game, lost six out of seven. Yeah. A five-game losing streak. They've lost six out of their last seven with the one win being at home against DePaul. Uh, you heard this a few uh, weeks ago that uh, – or not a few weeks ago, a few days ago that uh, Kyle Neptune was booed coming out of the tunnel in Villanova's matchup against Marquette. Uh, really uh, a, a team that is not what it used to be. They're going to be hungry for a home win. On the flip side, we've got the Friars that are going to be angry after a poorly officiated uh, rock fight that was winnable against the number one team in the country. Yeah, I'll be at the game on Sunday night. Just want to point out uh, what a terrible start time it is on a Sunday night at it's 6 p.m. Sunday. 6 p.m. on Sunday is a terrible start time. Just going to be honest with you guys. What the heck is that? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, but I'll be at the game. I agree, Joe. I like Villanova is super desperate because they're now, for even only being they're 11 and 10, right? Yeah, only being a game over 500, they're still like right just outside the bubble mm-hmm. of the bracketologists or whoever bracket you look at, right? Like they're right outside the bubble. The Friars are smack dead right in the last four in or the last four buys or the first four out, right? Like the Friars are right in that th- those three categories. They're both bubble teams. Yes, we're both bubble teams. They're on the wrong side. We're probably closer to the right side because losing the UConn on the road is not going to switch, not going to like kill us, uh, and it shouldn't. But in, in there are no – like the Nova team, they're talented, but Justin Moore – I've watched a lot of Nova games just because my brother goes there, but Justin Moore has completely underperformed this year, right? Like he's not the same player. After that Achilles injury, he's dealt with some knee injuries. He's not the same guy that we saw two years ago that went to the Final Four, right? right. Like, it's it's night and day. And because if he was, this team would probably be a lot better. Uh, but they can beat you, right? Like, they're talented enough if they put it on to beat you. They Like, they went to Creighton and beat Creighton. They beat UNC, who's one of the best teams in the country. They beat Memphis, who's one of the best teams in the country. They smoked a Texas Tech team who's top 25 in the country, right? Like... They have it in them. They're just falling in into some hard times. The one thing that scares me is that they're due. Right? Uh, yeah. They've lost five in a row. They've lost six out of seven. They're only winning against DePaul. They are due to win a game eventually. They're not this bad. I don't I think they're a little overrated. They're not they're... this bad. They're not this. Like they're yeah. a better team than losing five in a row in conference play. In, in my in my opinion, you know if they agree or disagree, that scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you like you mentioned on the flip side, you got a fires team that knows we got r- three important kind of games. If you want to look in that small picture, at Nova against Creighton at Butler, those three games. Obviously, there's games after that you can go win eight in a row, and if you lose the other three, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But if, if you look in that small picture, those are huge games, and those are three Joe. Quad one games going to Nova. We have three quad one wins right now. Going to Nova on Sunday night, even though they're eleven and ten, 
and could be 11-11 with the loss is a quad one victory. Doesn't yep. matter. Like, that's a huge game when we look back at the end of the year. Could be the difference for us making the tournament or not making the tournament. Yeah, I agree with you, Peter. The, this uh, I'm going to be specific in my word choice here. This Villanova roster is too expensive and too talented to be playing and performing as poorly as they have been. And the reason I say roster is because I don't think Kyle Neptune is the right person for the captain's chair at Villanova. I said this when he was hired. Uh, He was given that position by Jay Wright. It wasn't earned. You don't earn the head coaching job at Villanova by going 500 at Fordham. Um, And I think now we're starting to see the consequences of this Um, as good of as of as good of an assistant as he might have been to Jay Wright. um, You know, you never really know what you got until you're in the driver's seat. And last year, Villanova went 500 with an early exit in the NIT. Right now, Villanova is a game over 500 with some really great early season wins, including winning the battle for Atlantis with wins over North Carolina and Memphis, but also some really, you know, head scratching losses to Penn, St. Joe's, Drexel, uh, you know, so it's been an up and down year for the Wildcats. I think you're right, Peter. The fact that they're due is what scares me, but um, I think the circumstances from last night do dampen that a little bit for me, just knowing uh, the anger that Kim and his team feels. I think it's going to be a rock fight on Sunday. I really do. It's it's going to be ugly basketball. Well, I think every game we play, maybe outside of DePaul again, is going, and yeah, even at Georgetown, I think, is going to be a rock fight because that's probably the only way we can win. Like, yeah. We're not going to, if we play an up and down like sprint game to 80, 85, we are going to lose uh, because we don't have that really in, in us right now. But it's like you said, and I say this for a couple teams, and kind of I know we're going long here, but my final kind of thoughts here like, yeah. what Villanova team are we getting? Right. Like, are we getting the UNC team? Because we're going to lose. But are we getting the team that's played, lost five in a row, that's lost to a couple teams in the Pennsylvania Philly area, right? Like that are not great teams. Like what are we getting here? But if for them, right, even being 11 and 10, like they're everything's still in front of them. And we're right now currently tied for fifth in the big East with it's a log jam for fifth at the moment with St. John's Xavier and Butler and the fires all being five and five Nova being four and six and big East play. Like this is a huge game for, to get on the right side of the Big East standings. Like you want to be, you obviously want to finish top five. So you avoid playing on that Wednesday, but you obviously want to be six. Um, right. You don't want to be seven or eight or nine. Cause then it just gets a little dicey because you might have to deal with UConn in the quarterfinals. Right. Like, and that's just, you don't want that again. Uh, and yeah. thank, you, thank you. Ed Cooley for that last year. But <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's one of those times. It's a, it's a gut check time for, for the, for the Friars. The stretch coming up is tough. But it's not impossible. Like, yeah, it's a Creighton at home. It's an at Butler, which is good, not great. A team that we beat, and it's at Nova, who's reeling at the moment. I'm just hoping 
that Nova's keeps reeling for, for one more game. After that, I don't care what they do, but hopefully they reel one more game for, for our sake. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the, the time, the point in the season where, th- you know, it's, it's a turning point. Uh, last year, we saw a Friars team that was hot, that was, you know, it, it, consistently in the top 25 and squarely in the NCAA tournament start to spiral. Uh, for reasons that everybody knows. Um, and that Friars team was the last team to be called on Selection Sunday because of the way that they played in February. Thank you, Ed Cooley. <laughs> you know, we have a chance now to I write the ship. Too. Now, I know you said it too. <laughs> we, we have a chance now to write the ship. Uh, Providence had a very shaky January. Uh, it cannot go understated that... Part of the reason that we had a shaky January is because one of our best players went down with an ACL injury and we had to learn to adjust without a power forward. Um, But this is the first game of February. Like you said, uh, we're currently stuck in the log jam of fifth place uh, with tiebreakers and whatnot. We're technically in seventh, but uh, in terms of record tied at fifth, Villanova sits alone in ninth. You do not want to lose this game and then be tied with Villanova at five and six because then Villanova gets the tiebreaker and we are in ninth. So, you know, everything changes and everything is fluid in this conference. Now's the time to turn it on. Now's the time to, you know, start picking up some more quality wins. And, you know, as brutal as last night's game was, there was a lot of heart and a lot of grit and toughness shown by Providence, and if you can carry that over into uh, if into Sunday, you know I think things should go well. Yeah, yeah. I'll say the, my final thoughts. I, I was proud of the team on Wednesday against UConn, right? Like they could have got smoked with the roster they have, uh, and you said it perfectly with the heart how they played on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, you gotta make some free throws, and you probably win that game. But Sunday night. Villanova, right the ship at the free throw line, play that type of grinded out uh, old school kind of Big East basketball game and got to find a way to get a third person to score. I don't care who it is. Just got to find a way some guy to get 12 uh, on efficient yeah. shooting. And yeah, that's it for me. All right. So that is going to do it from us. You'll be hearing us uh, Friday morning at 10 a.m., uh, after that, you'll hear from us again Tuesday morning. We'll be coming at you with the Villanova postgame Creighton pregame. Right now, the Friars currently sit at 14-7. and seven. They are 5-5 five and five through the first half of Big East play, tied for fifth place with three other teams. They'll take on Villanova Sunday. Again, weirdest start time, weirdest you know day for a game. Sunday the 4th at 6 o'clock on FS1. Peter will be there. I will not. You'll hear from us after that game Tuesday morning. As always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to the site house-enterprise.com. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.